a big welcome today uh, to, to all of you out there and also a big welcome to Luke Reinball. Uh, I'm very, very pleased to have you here. I'm so excited to hear about your horsemanship and everything. Oh, it's really good to be here. I appreciate the invite. We would like to hear a little about your life. How how did you get where you are today? Uh, when did you start with horses and, and all these things? So uh, growing up, my my grandfather had this team of um, very like large ponies, small horse size uh, ponies, a mare and a gelding. And um, my grandfather was getting older and he really wasn't riding or wasn't driving them anymore. So I have an older brother and we uh, just started going over to grandma and grandpa's house and just doing silly stuff, really no <laughs> guidance necessarily, but they were, they were calm horses. So uh, my grandfather ended up giving them to us and we took them to our house and we did every silly thing that you could imagine with horses. Things that I think if my mother knew we were doing, she probably, I hope she would have stopped probably. Um, but, it, but it was fun and, it, and we really enjoyed that. And at that time I was probably eight or nine years old, um, just goofing around the whole back 40 as, as it is. And, and then we, we shortly after that, um, that horse that I had, and again, my brother was older than I was, so and slightly bigger. So he took uh, the gelding, whose name was Pat, and we called him Fat Pat. You could imagine why. And uh, the other one of the team was was Firestar. She was a mare, and she was aptly named that as well, um, with you know quite the opinion. And we uh, it was a, a, a frosty morning here and alfalfa there's some beautiful alfalfa fields and the frost can little did i know at the time but an alfalfa can if a horse eats too much can cause colic and yeah. unfortunately when i was 10 years old that's what happened she colicked really bad and um that mare had to get put down and i didn't ride it devastated me yeah. um i didn't ride a horse again until i was 20 years old and my brother kept kept harassing me, I guess you would say, to to ride again. And so finally I relented just to basically make him be quiet probably and realized how much I absolutely missed it. Right. And now again, there's no formal training. I've never taken a lesson to this point. But I decided I was going to uh buy a horse that was uh green broke uh at, at best. And started that that horse and um, had no idea what I was doing really, but just rode and rode and rode and rode and on borrowed saddles and, and things and really started uh, me on a passion. And, and I'm a very, uh, I guess you'd say analytical thinker. I will study something and work at it and try to figure it out. And, and that worked for me in ways. However, with some more help, I could have avoided some of the pitfalls that I experienced, such as um, I broke my back, I've broken multiple bones oh. in my feet, I've broken, uh, I, I don't even, I've lost track, honestly, and I don't say this to brag, but but what that did is is it taught me that we need to find a better way, right? And those were the days of, you got to tell the horse your boss, you've got to 
you've got to make them know that you're in charge, right? And, and all those ideas. And as I tried that, I realized what was what that created. Yeah. Right? And it and it just wasn't it just wasn't working. Um, but but we were, you know, at that age as a 20 something young man, um, you heal quick, you those things is just not, I guess, you know, you just don't when you don't know, there's a better way. That's just what you do. Right. And I started getting more serious about horses um, from there. And and those were the days we were just getting into the days where the John Lyons and the Pat Pirelli's and I mean, this is early Clinton Anderson and Craig Cameron's and all those guys were starting to put stuff out there. And I tell you, if, if there was if there was information out there, I was studying it and we were uh, pouring ourselves into that. And I was trying different things and some of it I loved and have adopted and it's made it my own at this point. But and then some of it I absolutely didn't did not work for me and I didn't like it at all. And, you know, we threw that in the trash really. Um, but it's really created a, a, a drive now that is starting to, you know, I, I, I like to think of it as a journey we're all on with our horsemanship and in that journey, right. You will always make mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's inevitable. I think really, I tell people all the time, I think if you're not making mistakes with your horses, you're not trying hard enough. Right. And I don't mean, mistakes as far as you know how you treat the horse necessarily but i mean in the methods and and the things that you're trying to do and how you're trying to connect with those horses um and and by making mistakes right and and now we've we've learned that we don't have to ride the way we used to we don't need to do those things that we're putting really the horses and myself in that in that area where we were getting hurt Right. It didn't need to be like that. So by by trial and error, and I don't know, I've never documented it, but we're, you know, 20,000 hours plus mm -hmm. into this journey. And and I was the kind of guy that if I ran into a, a situation with a horse and I just didn't have the answer. In some ways, I'd lie awake at night thinking about. Trying different things, right, or, or maybe this will work. So then I tried the next day and hopefully it did. Maybe it didn't. But what it taught me is and when I'm teaching clinics and, and doing those things, <clears throat> so many times I hear people talk about the right way. Right? I just want to do it the right way. And I think that's a very uh, misleading term, really, because I always I try to stop them. And I say, let's instead of saying it the right way, can we do it a better way. And that minor terminology change, really, but it it tells us our focus is just different so because really the answer to the right way with a horse is simply the way that's working yeah right and a horse will to me the horse will always tell me if i'm on the right way or not because the horse is getting better we're we're connecting we're making that communication or we're not right so or they were seeing some effects but maybe it could be a little bit better. And that's and that's more the way I'm really just looking at everything now in a very um just exploratory way, I guess, with, with horses and and I'm loving the results because of it. And I think the horses are too, you know. And but but coming back to uh that story and uh, so I was in my 
lower twenties and, um, I met my, my wife at a, at a job at camp I worked at, which we took out on trail rides, um, all day. My wife was a lifeguard and I was uh, the wrangler, right. As the term was. And, uh, short time later, we'd gotten married and, and worked at that, at that camp full time running the horse program. There's 50 plus horses and we, we did all that, but <laughs> they were downsizing that, uh, that program. And we, uh, we're ready to start the next venture. And at that point, I went into business with my with my wife's father, my my father-in-law, and and started what I didn't really even know probably what I was getting into, but the goal was to train horses full-time and to um, really further what we were doing with that. And so we started built, we bought a, a piece of property. Um, 80 acres that was basically just overgrown field. And there's a shell of a house, but it was certainly not finished. So we, uh, which also meant though, I needed to provide some income at the time. So at that point I started um, uh, what was hoped to be a career in law enforcement that would only last a couple of years. That was the plan that we would work in that. Well, we got everything going here um, and then we would, and resign from that and just do horses. And so after a couple of years of, you know, every day we would be working on the house and work say eight hours a day at that, and then work the, the real job, right? Quote unquote, real job at the, at the jail where I worked as a corrections officer um, for the, for the sheriff's office. And, and that was, and did with, that was really starting to take off that career. Right. But again, I only hope to be there just a couple of years. Well, fast forward a couple of years, and on uh, Christmas Eve, two thousand and nine, my father-in-law, who is my biggest life mentor at this point in business, in life, as as parenting, because um, we now had two two sons, um, was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, and you know that just. Those are that that word cancer is something that is right. It's horrible. Nobody nobody should have to hear that. But um, and and the man just kept working and working and working because that's what that's what we're building, right? I didn't I didn't really have anything to my name at the time, and and really relied on his on his guidance and his help in that. Well, fast forward um, into September that of 2010. So what? 10 months later, he unfortunately passed away from that cancer. And we had, at that point, we had just started teaching clinics. We were really catching some momentum with that, um, working with horses every day and, and just, just really at that point, loving life, right? I mean, we had, as it goes, our, the career was really doing well in law enforcement. Um, I was training horses on the, on the, on the side as it is at, at nights and, and weekends and that and had just signed my first saddle deal right with with circle y saddles and 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 our and endorsements right it just started coming in but that totally took the wind out of our sails you know we had two young sons and it really devastated us and i'm thankful that i had horses to pour myself into mm-hmm. because that was the just the way that i could um, I guess you'd say just 
talk, cry, right, on those horses and and just be just be real with those horses, right? And obviously they don't speak English. I don't know that they knew right, really what I was saying. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I needed that anyway. So it took us a couple years of grieving and, you know, trying to be moms and dads and 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 to those boys. And it went a it went a couple of years and you know, he would have, Jeff was his name, wouldn't have wanted us to feel sorry for ourselves and to, you know, just sit around and, and not keep going with the vision and, and the mission that we had started. So kind of stopped feeling sorry for myself and said, let's, let's get going. And we got back into the clinics and building that business out to the point where now, <clears throat> short time later, I'm a supervisor in the sheriff's office. I ran the tactical team. I was an instructor. I taught in the academies with the cadets and in service, taught defensive tactics, which is an interesting part because I learned so much from teaching defensive tactics and how humans respond to fear and danger that is helping me so much in what I'm doing now. But I'll, I think I'll, I'll get back to that here in a second. But um, I had... And as a career goes, everything going for me. But we're really our passion was horses. Our passion was was teaching people with horses. And it got to the point where my quote unquote job was getting in the way of where we were trying to go. So in 2017, we took the leap of faith and said, you know what? I think we just need to walk away from from our law enforcement. And we went full time full-time training horses and full-time on the road with clinics and that and and honestly have never looked back we were so glad that we did it and, and it was a great um example of sometimes you just gotta jump you know and and i use this illustration often it's like with horses and in life you can't you can't go swimming and keep one foot on a dock at the same time no you just sometimes it's either you go swimming or stay on the dock you can't mm. you can't do both so we jumped in and 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 I guess figuratively got wet and have absolutely loving it. And you know, there's still obviously challenges. And as we're going now, we're we're on the road, say 30 weekends out of the year, and really cannot train horses in the same sense full time just because we're, you know, on the road more now. But um horses have just been, yeah, they've just they mean the world to me. They've given me so much. We meet so many great people from horses um, all over, you know, all over the place. And, and they have provided me a way to feed my family and a way to just de-stress from life. And I think the the videos that you had mentioned about um, riding bridalists and, and doing all those things, that's all just ways that I basically de-stress. And that's how I do that, you know, and Horses have been amazing, not only getting through the death of my father-in-law, but I, you know, I had two coworkers commit suicide. Um, and, you know, that's just uh, the unexplainable things that, you know, it's just horrible. And, and, and what do you even say or, or think in those situations, you know, or, or certainly working with inmates every day as we, as we did. And, um, you know, when inmates try to commit suicide, that's just a, you know, and I've had some people, they're like, well, they're just inmates. Yes, but they're people, yeah. right? And that's just uh, when you see anybody to the point of life where they're so 
down. That that's their only answer. That just to me that does something to me, right? And that just it just makes you it just makes me look at life different. Mm-hmm. You know? So anyways, horses got me through that. And then um this last year, let's uh let's see, two thousand and yeah, twenty-two. I'm sorry. Forgive me if get a little emotional, but that's I guess just the way way I am. So um my best buddy is my brother. And last March of 2022, and he's younger than I am. He was he was 37 or 36, pardon me, was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer, which is completely unexplainable, inexplicable that uh that uh young man that age would have that but but you know but he did and we went through this all over again just this last year and and on October 4th he passed away so you know horses have been again something that I can use to just get away and breathe and and to me I almost can't ride too much in a day and I'm very blessed in most cases that I do get to ride a horse every day and not just one, but you know, a few. And and I'm I never lose sight of that, of what God has given me with that, that not everyone has that opportunity. I'm so blessed in that. And so I, I guess in a lot of ways I just look at life differently. And so many of the ways the horses have taught me that, you know, the lessons of of forgiveness, for example. Um you know, I often say that a horse, a horse, two things. One, they'll never lie, right? Horses always tell you what they're thinking. They tell you where they're at. You know, whether we don't listen to that or not, that's a different story. But the horse isn't lying either way. Um, but the other thing is horses are so forgiving. Hmm. You know, and I, I often tell people horses have forgiven you for mistakes you haven't even made yet, hmm. right? And really, when you think about that, that's hard for humans to comprehend because that's not what humans do. Right? Yeah. We hold grudges. We make things personal. We, we get mad and we get upset. But horses, that's just not how they operate. And to me, that's so freeing, so refreshing, you know, because, again, when you work in, in corrections and that, I just assume that if someone was talking to me, they're lying. Because that's pretty much what happens, right? You're mm-hmm. just lying. Yeah. And And the forgiveness aspect of of horses it's it's just an amazing thing you know so so beautiful so perfect and we could just strive to emulate that you know as humans to humans even you know how much better would the world be yeah that's right yeah so um at any rate yeah that's uh i guess that's how how kind of things started and got us to to where we are right now um and, and exciting to see where that might even be going we're not even sure about that yet so <laughs> so you are doing uh clinics in different places in weekends yes. and yeah do you yep. have anything at home or is it your private horses you're training or so we do things at home as well, as far as we do host some clinics, uh, like we have one this weekend, um, which is 
It's a very interesting format, which is this first time we've done it. It's really taking off. Um, but it's our obstacles on one day, and we built a really great obstacle course with elevated bridges that you can ride over, you can ride under, right? And it's our big water pond. Um, we have okay. suspension bridges. We have teeter-totters. I mean, all that, just that fun stuff. So it's obstacles and how I approach that, which translates out on trails, right? Any obstacles we might find on trails, water crossings, uh, you know, logs, you're going over bridges, certainly depending on where you're riding. And and we work through all of that on, on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we're, we're, working, uh, we're working cows, we're working cattle, which is uh, so much fun. And it's a different to some folks, um, I'm not sure that in, in Europe and that if they do this, but would they do what's called team penning? And that's where there's a herd of cows and you have they're all numbered. You have to pick out the same. There's there's usually 30 cows in a group, right? And there are three cows that wear each zero through nine numbers. So let's say you go in with a team of three riders, you pick out three cows. Number three might be your numbers. So you got to get out all the threes and put them in a pen. But that's a way that's, it's a lot of fun. People like to do that, but we change it a little bit and we work cows more in the, in the, the way that is better for the cows. It's not nearly as fast. It's slower. Um, it's more methodical. So I always tell people, if you, if you push a cow too fast, two things happen. You make the rancher really mad and you fix fence. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't want to do either of those so we just slow it down. So we play some fun games, like we'll play tic-tac-toe with cows. So you divide divide everybody up into two teams, X's and O's. Right? And you cut a cow out of the herd, and we have, have used hydrated lime to make 12-foot squares, right? We're drawing out a tic-tac-toe board. And you have to get the cow to stop in one of those squares, right? either X's <laughs> and O's. And it's very tricky because if you put too much pressure on that cow, you push them past the board, right? Yeah. But not enough pressure and you can't get them on the square you need. So there's a lot of strategy because sometimes if that cow won't, won't cooperate, getting a square, even if it's not the one you want, <laughs> it's still better than getting no square, right? And and it's a lot of fun because like we'll split up, say husbands and wives and put them on opposite teams and hear the competition aspect of that going. But but at any rate, that if you get going too fast, right, you'll just just won't work. So it teaches stockmanship. It teaches people to just, in some ways, just slow down. Yeah. Slow down. It's better for the horse. It's better for the cows, and and people are loving that type of thing that we're we're doing with that. So we have people driving from eight, nine, ten hours away. Yeah, come and <laughs> come and do that, and it's a lot of fun. So. Uh, we do we do clinics here, yes, um, but also on the road too. So yeah, and uh, it's fantastic to to make such a games to put a smile on the face on people sure. because it's today I think a, a lot of things is so serious everything. Right. So you just need to laugh and to Absolutely. get rid of all these heavy things. And, and sure. it's good to do it with your horse. Absolutely. And and really, when we when my father and I, when Jeff and I had started this place, his vision for all of this was simply, you could sum it up in one quote. He said, I want to make this place a, a place where people can just get away from the world. Mm -hmm. 
And we have used that as basically our mission here um, to, to just allow people to do that. And it's kind of fun because up here, we're up on, on top of a hill. You can't see any neighbors, which I don't know if you're familiar with New York State at all, which is where we are. It's kind of an unconventional uh, horse area, I guess. It really isn't a great horse area, but um, people think of New York and immediately think of the city. Yes. Right? Manhattan, but uh, mm -hmm. it's actually there's 17 million wooded acres in the in New York State, so it is certainly remote here. But yeah, so we we uh, people can come up here. You can't see any any buildings around other than our place. It's just rolling hills and and things, and it is a place where they can just unplug and get away. And which which is we have also started on now what we call ranch camp, which is a People bring their horses for four days and they do everything that we're normally doing with horses. We're riding the trails. We're working in the arena for body maneuverability and things, right? But we ride the obstacle course and they work cows there too. So we have people, um, we do this year, we're doing four of those events and people are just loving it. So, and my wife is an amazing cook, so she feeds everybody, and people can just come. They don't have to worry about, you know, they don't have to worry about anything. So, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, and, and horse people have always things to talk about, so. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt there. Yeah, it's a connection, right? That's what yes. horses just provide that median, and, and it doesn't matter if you're riding an English tack or Western tack or driving horses or, or, or just brushing a horse. Mm. there's just something about that that yeah you're absolutely right yeah and um i found you because i i saw a video with you you were were riding your horse without a bridle mm -hmm. and i've been with horses for over 50 years and i i was impressed because i I have never done that. I have been riding bareback, but always with a halter. And and uh, I think that it must be difficult to not have anything but your your body, such so to speak. Yeah, it, you know, and it really is. But at the same time, and and in a, two parts of that. One, when I started putting those videos out, you know, I've I've caught a lot of flack from that mm. from the the traditionalist I guess you would say or maybe old school or whatever yeah. and never once when I did those videos and many of the times I never mentioned it I never talked about it obviously people in some cases I have but but people will just notice that and you would some of the people would just they can't think abstractly right they can't think that you know what there is a chance that our relationships human dog with horses it really doesn't matter it is possible to achieve a level of communication that is really beyond our comprehension. It is possible, right? Whether it's with our spouses or or whatever, it can happen. But if we, and oftentimes, right, the more you shout, the less people listen. Mm -hmm. So many, right, a lot of teachers have figured this out. You go into the classroom, if you just stand there for a minute or maybe even whisper, the best way to get people's attention and and i i've kind of adopted that mindset with um with the horses of and it's important to remember that a horse is only as soft as that first touch and 
we as an industry, I think, are failing riders in the aspect of we're not teaching riders to ask for softness. We have turned horses into mechanical machines, basically, of I kick, you go, I pull, you stop. But we've totally missed the the idea of our seat and our energy, right? And and I often tell people I'm kind of, you know, being jovial with this, but I say you're let's use our best asset, right? Which is our body weight, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that that idea of our butt, or that best asset should is really where this all starts. Right. But if we've always gotten a mindset, I've just got to pull, pull the slow down, pull the stop, pull the pull to do everything. You know, in, in essence, when we pull on a horse, we distract them from what our body's doing mm-hmm. because they're fixated on on that pull on their face. And and I and I do want to be clear on that. I don't I don't make this out like bits are bad. Right. Because some people are like, well, you should it, you have to have that for control. Right. And I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that you do or don't what i'm saying though with bits is people are turning the bits in there they're getting lost in the noise of what bit should we use right should we use a bitless bridle should we use a bozelle should we use a hackamore should we use Mm -hmm. whatever and to me whatever method you're using it that's not the point the point is how are you applying your communication how are you how are you working through that, right? And 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 reins really to most people are a way to tell a horse something. I'm telling them that's telling them to slow down. I'm telling them to turn. I'm telling them. But I try to get people instead to use their reins. It should be a two-way communication tool. Right? It's not just telling the horse something. What is the horse telling you back? Right? So it it's often it's the same. Uh, I use this analogy. There's two ways in life to listen, right? One is what most of the world is doing right now, and that's not effective. And then the one changes changes the ballgame, changes the world, really. But the first way to listen is listening to respond, right? which is typically what people do in a debate, what society is doing. And that, and that way really doesn't work that well. But the other way, which changes everything, is we can listen to understand. Mm-hmm. right? And when we listen to understand... Now we have answers, really, right? We're learning about where where humans or horses are, are coming from. So, for instance, if that horse is bracing to that rein, why? You know, because of the hundreds of colts that I've started to ride, it's interesting that not a single one of them was bracy when we started. Brace is something that's taught to horses. It's taught by ineffective touch. The riders have because in essence they're going to tell the horse everything but it's not but it's not something where we're really asking for softness and and in in a lot of ways that's accountability factor that the rider has to figure that out and that's hard it's hard to really learn about that touch and and at the same aspect we live in a very mechanized world right computer screens um, cars everything is basically a machine and it's all input based you just tell it to do something yeah. But but horses is a different that's a different world. Right? They're not mechanical, they're not electronic. So uh I think that I I'm curious as if the if the human brain a hundred or even two hundred years ago, if it was different than it is now. Of course, we'll probably never fully know the answer to that. But 
But it's at the same point, if we want to connect with a horse, we have to remember that that horse will only be as soft as our first touch. And, and that's, that's something that if you take a regular lesson horse, right, which those horses are the salt of the earth kind of horse because they tolerate lots of pulling and kicking and mm. jerking on those reins. But if you try to get that horse to soften up, they've almost been programmed to be self-defense, defending mm. in, in what they're doing. Mm. So with, with a lot of riders, that's, that's, that's a tough thing to teach because trying to show someone what softness is, but yet they can't, are not feeling it, and at the same time cannot feel that, then, you know, it's like describing something to to someone that can't see a beautiful ocean scene or something that that's tough. Right? That's mm-hmm. tough. So, um, but it, and it's interesting coming back to that with, uh, the, the, the self-defense things I was talking about and how the body reacts to that, you know, fear is something that is real. We're all going to experience it in some way. Um, but the body's natural reaction to fear is to what I call turtling up. So in essence, they pull the arms in and we squeeze with our legs, right? So when we pull our arms in, obviously when we're holding on the reins, we're pulling on that horse. Mm -hmm. And, and really, if you're scared enough, you're not feeling softness. You're thinking about surviving, Mm -hmm. right? It's a whole different dynamic from that. And what I've learned is moving forward, once I stopped pulling on my horses, a couple of things happened. One, they don't bolt anymore. Right? So say you're out on the trail and that horse gets spooked of something and they bolt. I mean, there's there's this whole video series and everything else that are trying to teach a horse not how to shut them down when they bolt mm-hmm. or when they're, say, they're going to buck. And that that's a whole separate uh, conversation, really. But um or or even rearing these are all symptoms of a cause the cause is the horse is bracy and that's really happened because riders have just yanked and pulled on them and that horse mentally isn't soft and that's where the body softness really comes from it comes from a mental approach from the rider and the horse you can't have one without the other can't have the you're not going to have a rider with a really soft mind that doesn't create that or, or really draw, I should say, draw that out of the horse. And at the same time, right, that's, uh, it's so necessary in, in, in everything we're doing. If we want to do things, say, going up to riding a horse with a bridle. And that's where, you know, I'll, I'll ride. Um, I have a couple horses I'll do this with. One is mostly my, my daughter's horse. So I really shot videos on her, but, um, it's this idea where people are like, well, you've got to have a bit in that horse to have control. My my theory on that is the reality is if a horse really wanted to do something bad enough, you can't control it. No, you just physically can't. Putting a piece of metal in their mouth doesn't mean you have more control, right? Because where that horse's mind goes, their feet go, right? So if their mind is just totally like, I'm, I'm back at the bar and I can't take this anymore. That's where ultimately that's what's, if they wanted it bad enough, that's what's going to go. And you can pull and yank and pull on your face all you want, but that's just not where they're at. So it's the mentality aspect of that. That's where that starts. And then from that, you know, and people go, well, 
they'll play this. Well, what if you run into a bear? What if you run into a mountain lion? What if you, what if you, what if you, when they play that what if game, chasing that rabbit down a hole that they'll never catch. Right? Because what if, and, and the reality is actually, I did make a video of, I, I ran into four bears altogether as a mom and three cubs, um, cubs from last year. So they're getting pretty big. I, I ran into that with Liberty um, out riding and, I didn't get closer than a couple hundred yards because well, I have my had my goofy lab with me and he's a typical lab, right? He's not super he, he would just try to make friends or something. Who knows? Yeah. But <laughs> but the reality is with that, I mean she didn't react. She knew they were there. We've seen bears. I mean, there's there's plenty of bears here. They're not grizzlies, of course. That's a different ball game. They're the black bears, but Everything to a horse to me is, and I look at it this way, everything is an opportunity to make my horse better. Mentally is where it starts, but then physically. And right? so if I use this as an opportunity to be a leader to that horse and, and show them that, hey, no matter what happens, right, I want them to think that whatever we're running into, it's not a big thing. It's just the next thing. Hmm. Right? And if we build this out all on, on a foundation first and then just keep building on top of that, those horses will begin to trust in ways that most people can never even comprehend because really they haven't gotten out of their own heads of I'm so anxious, I'm so nervous, and what if, really? It's that, that's, that's really what anxiety is, right? Yeah. It's fear of the unknown. It's what if, what if? And that's that's something that also plagues the industry, which is, that's just life, I guess, in a lot of ways. But to me, we have to, for me, it has to get to the point where I go, of course, you're, you're okay. I've got you. We have a plan. It will work. And once they really buy into that, I, I love the idea. There's, there's really nothing you can't do with a horse. Once they buy into that idea that we are going to be the competent leader that they seek, because horses are inherently horrible leaders, right? Leadership is not an area that a horse wants to claim it out in a pasture and mm -hmm. in, in a outside setting. If you you know if you watch in in the horses, I, I talked about all those those people in the you know late nineties, early two thousands that were putting things out there. I learned a lot from all of those folks. But horses have been my best teacher. I mean, you watch a group of horses interact out in a pasture, you can learn so much about softness mm -hmm. and communication with horses. And and once you, once you get that concept and that idea in your mind and you see how that will work, you'll never go back. Right? You just never will try to go to that idea where, you know, I mentioned it earlier, when you have to, the old school, I got to tell them who's boss. Yeah. Got to tell them. And the reality is in life, if you have to tell people that you're in charge, if you have to tell them that you're funny, if you tell have to tell them that you're good looking, probably none of those are actually true. Right? It's either known or it isn't. And that's, and that's with horses. If you have to tell them you're the boss, you clearly are not. Mm. Right? And it's that, it's that leadership idea. And you know, we've all had bosses probably we worked for at times. Yes. <laughs> and good ones, maybe, and bad ones. And and the good ones probably actually even think of them more as a leader versus a boss. Mm. 
right? Usually, usually that's the case. So that's what I'm trying to replicate. That's what I'm trying to be with that horse. Whether you know, whether I only have this horse for an hour helping a helping a client work through something, or whether I'm privileged enough to have that horse in my barn forever. Either way, that's the same concept. I'm trying to to really model and and, and show people, right? Show my kids as as they're in their journey with horses or or anyone else. So I can imagine if if you once, as you said, once have felt it and and know how to do it, you will never go back to the old system again. Right. Um and and so it would be easier for you as well to to form a horse to to help it to to the softness, I can imagine. Sure. Sure. And that's really all I want to do is just help that horse. Mm. I just want to help him because, you know, there's so many of these horses that I see that I work with the, the quote, the trouble horses. Mm. Yeah, they are troubled and humans usually troubled them. Yes. that That's usually the case. So it's to me, I just have to try to figure out first off, you know, how, where are they at? What is missing in this link? And, you know, in some ways, I think that's where some people can get caught up in is, is we, we kind of go uh, almost to uh, trying to figure out all of the things back, why they're there, why they're there. And, and that is necessary to a point, but at the same time, do I think God put eyes in the front of our head to look forward? Right. And, and whatever had happened to him, we can't undo that. No. Right. In essence, that, that traumatic experience, we can't take that away. And I don't think there's a lot of point in trying. Instead, what I want to teach him is whatever happened to you, that happened, yes. And that's horrible. That's a, I wish you didn't. But where do we go now, right? And let me help you look at life now from a healthy perspective. And and once once you can do that, right, those, quote, trouble horses, not so troubled because they are so forgiving, Right. Like I like I talked about, they really will move on and things. People have problems with that more. But the horses don't so much. So that you know, I see this oftentimes though the quote in here in the in the US, they they have that term rescue horses. And these are horses that were were rescued from kill pens, rescued from, you know, abuse yeah. situations, whatever. Yeah. And what I see most of anything, uh generalizing here, but most of those horses are the there are exceptions, of course, so don't anybody get mad at me when I say this, but those horses tend to be the worst behaved horses. And a lot of reasons, I think, for that is because people feel so bad for what happened to them that they don't model leadership to them and show them the better way, the way that's really going to work for humans and the horses now, right? So because of that, they're so... um almost wishy-washy in what they're asking for those horses. Those horses can't meet a standard because the standard's always changing, or maybe it's really very low at the same time. So, you know, it, it's, it's really, it's like children. If you, if you really have a low expectation, well, don't expect much from that child. Right. And, and then I, I use this analogy often in clinics. I'll say when I was, when I was growing up in high school, if I knew passing grade was 65, don't even expect a 66 for me. I would only do a 65 because I had a lot of things to do that didn't include school. I really didn't care about that. 
I want to be outside. I want to go do stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, if I knew passing grade was 100, I'd probably get pretty close to 100. Mm-hmm. But I was only going to meet the level of the expectation. And and horses really are the same thing. Right? If we if we I always say if you if you don't expect much from your horse, don't be surprised when you get it. Right. So it, it's a balance, right? We can't be dictators. That won't work. We can't be overbearing. That won't work. Right. They'll give up. They'll quit on us because it was never enough. But so it's a balance. And and really, I think that's the secret to life. Right? It's just balance. Too much of anything, even if it's a good thing. There's too much of it. It's still mm-hmm. too much. So those are, yeah, just kind of figuring that out in our in our journey. Same with parenting. There's so many connections to parenting and horses. We've got to have that expectations from from that from our children. But at the same time, if they're in kindergarten, we can't expect them to do trigonometry. No, and and, yeah. and you can't tell them what to do either. They have their own mind. If they want to be a, a yep. dealer instead of a carpenter or something like that, you right. they they go their own way. Sure. And, and that's the same with the horses. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. With that, is that horses are different, right? They mm-hmm. still have personalities. They still have um, different. Um, preferences and things and and that's an important part of the equation too because they're not all going to be high level jumpers or cow horses or i mean say even take most any of these world champion anything jumpers dressage horses cow horses and then take them out on a trail ride good luck yeah (laughs) right good luck i mean you you literally that might be the way you die yeah so it, it's all it's all an important part of the equation, right? And where they go, what what uh, unique fields they go in does that? I mean, they do need to have a desire to do that mm-hmm. in, in some ways, especially the higher level, right? Competition you want to go in, the more they really need to have that that inkling, that that drive, that want to with that. But uh, you know, and that and then to go on to coming back to balance. Some of these horses that have such a high level of try will go and do all of those things. Now, they may not be world champion in all of those, but they'll try. Mm. And I think there's been a lot of humans that have really hurt, in some ways, a lot of really good horses because they just took advantage of that horse's try. Mm-hmm. No, so there, there's a point. We do need to push them, but... They, like you said, they do need to explore that at the same time. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. we we learn a lot from them, and and often I said the horse is your mirror. So, please treat them right. And and uh... Uh, absolutely, you know, and I and I say that when I was in my early twenties, when I talked about that, at that point in my life, I was a very impatient young man with anger problems. Right. And I learned very quickly that neither of those are going to help me out in life and certainly not with horses. And those horses will diagnose that. Right. And it's a very interesting thing because I'll I'll talk about this. Oftentimes, I'll say if I can watch a horse and rider together after a couple of minutes, I can really tell a lot about that rider. 
Are they anxious and nervous? Are they a confident mm. person? Are they looking for solutions or are they looking for excuses in life? Right. Yeah. Uh, so much about them. And, and I'll say that to some people and I've, I've had a couple people almost get, get angry with that. And right, that's just a reflection of where they're at. They don't like where they're at. Oh. So, so when they're, when they're getting uh, really upset about that, that's just, that's, that's pulling, drawing something out that they really already don't like about themselves, but they haven't done the work to change it. Hmm. You know, so for instance, if you have a really confident rider that's that's just uh, always looking for solutions, so is their horse. They just adopt that level and that mentality. But if you watch somebody that's uh, riddled with anxiety, so is that horse. Mm. You know, and I, I hear all the time where people, the horse, they might have bought a really nice horse, great horse. And after a week or two's time, it's like, well, th this horse must have been drugged. This horse just yes, isn't the yes. horse I bought. <laughs> mm. And 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 we all know that horses, people have drugged horses. I'm not saying that. But as a general mm. rule, that rider made that horse anxious. Mm. And then it says, should I sell him and get another one? I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not do that to another one. No, no. We've got to get the anxiety under control so that you learn how to manage that mm. before before really the relationship with your horse will ever get any better. Mm. And let's not do that to another horse. No. And uh, I know some people who who had changed horses all the time. And uh, as you said, it would be the same horse in a while. So, uh... Right. And that's the beautiful thing about horses. Even if they were with an anxious, they were confident before this person started riding that horse. Mm. And their anxiety made the horse very anxious. That horse is not ruined, right? They're never done. They'll all, they're always learning. Horses are always learning. You can bring them back to a confident level, mm. right? But at the same time, let's, let's first get ourselves mentally right so that we don't put that horse in that. Because neither horse nor human want to be riddled with anxiety. No. Nobody no. likes that, right? No. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. Horrible. So there are ways to work through it, right? And and, and really that's what is a majority of my business now is helping riders. One of our, our most popular clinic option is a two-day clinic. We call it confidence through horsemanship. And what that the whole premise of this is having the ability to uh get that horse to understand that it'll be okay and you will help them through things. And then really a lot of that's created through lateral flexation, right? Lateral bend in, in, in reminding those horses that there's a series of things that I do, which teach those horses to really soften to the rein, to soften to our leg and soften to those cues. And once they learn that, which really doesn't take that long, you know, a day or two, that, when a horse gets anxious and nervous, we can laterally bend them and then let them ride on a loose rein again. And it's teaching the horse to manage their emotions. But at the same time, when, if the rider starts getting nervous and anxious, we give the rider something to do, mm -hmm. right? Because really anxiety is fear of the unknown. Yes. When you break it all down. So if that rider is just not sure what's going to happen and they're starting the anxiety is starting to spin then we give the rider something to do 
And because they've done it enough, right, that starts to take away the fear of the unknown mm. because they've already done this, right? And, it, and the horse goes, okay, yep, we're good. We're good. So if both of them can work together through this, the horse starts to see the rider as that leader, right? Or really the solution to the problem, right? And what's the problem? Who knows, right? It might be the scary bridge. It might be the, yeah. the plastic bag. It might be the banner. It might be the yappy dog. I mean, I, we don't know what it is. But if the rider can be that leader to that horse, and the horse now sees that and knows that they're not on their own hmm. in everything, those horses start to trust the rider in huge ways, which eventually right, is working to the point where we feel confident we can ride hmm. those horses maybe without a bridle. Because that's ultimately where I'm trying to go is I'm always trying to work my aides out of a job, right? I want to send my aides to the unemployment line, in essence, so that that horse, and, so, and, it's, and it's the 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 coolest thing that eventually, if you ride this way, you start thinking about going somewhere, yeah. and the horse starts to do it, yeah. right? And it's such a fascinating thing. And, and it boggles most people's mind. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. It's <laughs> because a horse is so amazing. That's and, and when you start riding that way, when you think about it, right? Say, I, I'm thinking I'm going to turn left. Mm. Well, our body starts to make a little bit of a shift. Yes. Very subtle, right? But the horse feels it. A horse can feel a fly line on their neck. Yeah. Why couldn't they feel a shift a little couple pounds of body weight, right? Mm -hmm. They certainly can. To them, that's a it's a whole lot more. And 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 if we if we start riding that way, I mean, the sky's the limit. It's so mm -hmm. so much fun, mm -hmm. right? But so many times we're so busy, uh, figuratively standing on a street corner shouting at everybody what we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that no one's listening right if you go out on a city street corner someone's shouting some weird banners or whatever else i have most times we're not going to listen to what they have to say no it's, it's not the right approach and and the, the the that is good that they don't because i always used to say that when you're riding a horse and and uh, you you think that the horse is a little bit it, it don't know where to go think about what you're thoughts where they are going you sit on the horse sure. oh maybe i should pick the uh, sure. children up from school what is the husband doing what are we going to eat to breakfast tomorrow sure. and and everything is going around in the head sure so the poor horses huh <laughs> right yeah just looking because really the horse wants to do yeah what 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 we're doing as a team but most of the time the horses don't know what that is and well, you're right, because the riders don't know what that is. That's right. Right? And and so many times, I mean, you think of this as, say, uh, you know, we all want to ride our horse as much as possible, but carved an hour out of our busy schedules because life is busy. Life is crazy, mm -hmm. right? But so many times we work so hard at creating that hour of time that we can ride our horse. We get them all saddled up and we get them out in the arena and then we go, now what? Mm. <laughs> yeah, not what? Right? <laughs> what am I? What am I working on? And, yeah. and, and that's, you know, that's a very real thing. And then, and then you mix in the cell phone rings and whatever else happens. Right. And especially for moms, I mean, kids are calling, a husband's calling, whatever mm. else, like you said, you're thinking about what do I got to do for dinner and, yeah. and all these things. And, 
that's real. That's life that happens. Right. But at the same time, we've got to try to really just mentally be there mm-hmm. for that horse. And maybe that means leaving the cell phone in the tack room. Yeah. It, that is good for ourselves no. as well. We, we need that space. The human mind wasn't designed to be plugged into electronics all no. day. Really wasn't. It's not healthy at all. So, yeah, that is fantastic. Where where can people find you if they wanted to get in contact? So we have our website, uh, LukeRinebold.com. That's R E I N B O L D. Um, also, our Facebook page, which is Luke Rambled Horsemanship. Uh, we try to post fun things on there, right? We have some of our uh, a fun feature we call it between the ears where we're just shoot. <laughs> speaking of cell phones right after I just say that. But a lot of these videos <laughs> I just shoot from a cell phone, like yeah. just riding a horse. And it's right the, the play on words of it's things I'm thinking about, but from the angle of between the horse's ears. So it's between both our ears, I guess you could say that's that's coming from. Um and those are really the best places, either our website or or our or our Facebook. Um, our email is Horsemanship at gmail. And uh, we do have some YouTube videos, um, instructional videos, uh, Luke Reinbold on, on YouTube. Uh, more of those are coming. Um, yeah, we have some fun projects in the works with that, too. So people can, can look for that as well. Very, very good. I'm I'm so impressed and uh, I'm so happy that you came here today in your busy schedule. It has been a real big pleasure for me to meet you. Well, so, pleasure is mine as well. I appreciate the opportunity and, uh, and uh, just giving that listening ear. As you can tell, it's something we're super passionate about. Sometimes we get a little long-winded in it, but hey, yeah. if we can help some more horses... <laughs> That's Boy, right. it's worth it to me. So, yeah, thank you very much, and thank you all out there for seeing and listening today. I hope you will subscribe to our channel here. So, thank you, Luke, and thank see you. you later next week. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.